Welcome to the Andrew K Show. I'm looking over at DJ Carrot Sticks and waiting for him to give me the explosion signal. You know, that's kind of the cue to get the show rolling. Y'all don't get to see that on Facebook Live or kind of hear it happening. But, you know, it's kind of a little something I get used to. Hey, thanks for sharing this time with me. Super excited to have you guys here watching on Facebook Live, listening to the show on AM 1170. Of course, I'm always grateful to have my buddy DJ Carrots. DJ Carrots. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, he had an explosion for himself, didn't he? Okay. I see how he rolls. You know, speaking of explosives... It, it, it's like a bomb went off, babies, outside D.C. with what happened with this budget bill, which is really a continuing resolution. It's a CR because the the House and the Senate, there hasn't been a budget passed, I think, since fiscal year 2009. So there hasn't been proper budgeting done. But that does not excuse what has happened with the Republican Party and this whatever you want to call it load of caca, as my friends from the south of the border would call it, that happened with this budget bill. I'm going to hit the highlights. Most of all, y'all know what happened with this. Uh, Full funding, increased spending. Not only no cutbacks, what Donald Trump promised, but increased spending for National Institute of Health, increased spending for the National Endowment for the Arts for people to do things like dip, you know, crosses in urine. Uh, Pell grants to assist in college tuition. I didn't get any assistance in my college tuition. Um, Funding for Planned Parenthood saved nearly 99% of the Environmental Protection Aid, the EPA's current level of funding. Uh, No funding, key points here, no funding for the border wall and about half of what Trump asked for in military spending, but funding for sanctuary cities. So let me get this straight. We don't have any money to keep illegals and terrorists from coming into this country, but we got money to keep them here? What? What? So uh, Speaker Paul Ryan comes out today and says, oh, no, it doesn't fund Planned Parenthood and, uh, you know, but others say it does, you know. okay. so let's pretend that Planned Parenthood is not funded with this. The most important piece of Donald Trump's campaign was left out. No funding for this. Now, I know that this only funds things through September. I know that it was meant to avoid a shutdown. To me, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for the Republican Party doing this. I already expressed, you know, we and we all know why the Republican Party, well, maybe we don't all know. Some people think it's just fear and that they're weak need. I think it's worse than that. I think this isn't just the Republican Party and Paul Ryan being too scared of a government shutdown. Because what happened when the last time we had a government shutdown in 2013? Even the links that President Obama did to try to inflict pain on the Republican Party and the American people, even denying World War II citizens a chance to go to the memorial. We even found out later that it was cheaper to keep that memorial open than to shut it down. Even the, even everything that they did, you know what? The Republican Party went and won the majority in both houses in 2014. So they know that the shut no government shutdown is going to destroy the Republican Party. So what is this really about? This is about when a wall is more than just a wall. This is not just about a physical barrier at the border to keep people from coming here illegally for whatever reason, as well as terrorists, and to keep the, the, the gangs and all that from coming here. This is a physical wall, a wall, physical and virtual, that separates freedom from tyranny. It separates freedom from tyranny in, in which all the borders, by the way, the physical border, the virtual border, the cyber border, the economic borders, those borders are a defense and a barrier between freedom and tyranny because if we have our country overrun 
through cyber attacks, overrun with um, an economic border to where there's there's imbalance of trade and we're destroyed economically, whether or not we've got people coming here illegally uh, uh, to become a, an increased dependency class in which they're just going to continue to vote for entitlement programs to keep them dependent. And then you get to the point to where 49% of the country are supporting 51%, then we're done. Or terrorists coming here in the form of the refugee program, you know, it, these borders are, they are a barrier between freedom and tyranny. And you know what? The, the elected officials and these, these one party people, they know it. They know that that wall is also a barrier to their keeping power. Let me explain. They know that Donald Trump, an outsider, got elected because the American people were tired of Republicans promising that they were going to repeal Obamacare, promising they were going to do something about spending, promising that they were going to low taxes, all these promises, 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 and then they did nothing to fulfill it. So in comes Donald Trump saying he's going to drain the swamp. Well, you know what? They want to keep their power base. He is a threat to their power base. They, that Stopping the wall is, a, is a, a barrier around them and protects their power. So while we need the physical ball, the walls to protect us from those who want to do us harm, they want to stop the wall as a way to protect their power. And that's what's going on here. And they also know that one of the ways that it protects their power is because since it was such a signature piece of Donald Trump's campaign, that if they can pull that rug out from under his supporters and his supporter and do a knife and stab in the heart of the people that counted on him to fulfill that promise— I was one of the people that said if he did nothing else, I did a show about expectations. I said if he, I don't expect him to fulfill every promise and or have it look exactly like it did when he was on the campaign trail. But if he does one thing, if he seals that border and builds that wall, I'm happy. And they know that. They want to take him down. They want to undermine his support. They want to undermine his, his administration. That's their holy grail is to stop that wall. And that's why Donald Trump has to make sure that it happens, whether it's from money from El Chapo, however he has to make, he's got to get that wall built. He also has to secure all of our other borders. I'm going to take a quick break. I've gone a little long here. I've got to bring on John Hawkins from Right, right Wing News. I've got to ask him what he thinks about this. We also found out today um, that the House didn't have the votes to repeal Obamacare. What's going on with that, too? Stay tuned. John Hawkins coming right back up. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Glad to have my next guest here with me to talk about his book. It just cracked me up when I read the title of it. Hashtag 101 Things Young Adults Should Know. But before I get into that, I got to pick his brain because it, it is John Hawkins from Right Wing News who, you know, is a contributor to Town Hall. He's all over media. He's taught to everybody. He knows everything about it. Hey, John, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. It is great to be talking to you again. Well, thanks. Um, so I'm not sure if you heard any of my rant beforehand, but this is the, the wall oh, yeah. is more than just a wall. I think it's a barrier to freedom and tyranny, and not just those who want to come here and take us over, but the tyranny that I think is going on in D.C. because we've got a one-party system, in my opinion, with these establishments. They're not worried about a shutdown. They're worried about c- keeping their power base. And when you've got elected officials like these Republicans who are intentionally trying to stop the will of the people, to me, that's tyranny. I was glad to see, I want to get your impression of this, that Trump tweeted this morning, either elect new Republican senators in 2018 or change the rules now to 51%. Our country needs a good, quote, shutdown in September to fix mess. I'm saying forget this 2018 business. How many times have we given them like in 2014, the majority or whatever, and they've failed it. I don't think that pitch, that ain't going to buy it. That ain't going to sell. People aren't going to buy in that. I think they definitely should change the rules to 51%. And he's indicating here, he's not going to go for this being fearful of a shutdown in the future. Your, your thoughts. I do not want to change the rules to 51%. Reason being, I think over the long haul, that benefits the Democrats much more than us because they're always wanting to change something, us not so much. I do think these guys need to show a little backbone. I mean, they've been promising us it's every election. Well, if you get us the House, we'll change everything, and they did. If you get us the Senate and the House, we'll change everything, and they didn't. If you get us the White House and the Senate and the House, we'll change everything, and they haven't. At some point, they have to be willing to move on the things that they promised people. And that includes a border wall. Listen, Donald Trump is not going to be reelected in 2020 if there's no border wall. That's, that's as central a promise to him as there is. And I know he's got to deal with Congress, but they're going to have to find a way to do it. I don't care what it is. I don't mm-hmm. care how they have to work it in. They've got to make it happen. Well, one of the ways that they can work it in, I mean, he was talking about, what, $1.4 billion? I mean, good grief. You know, how much more money now are we giving? They, they, fi- they managed to find the money for sanctuary cities, right? I mean, we've got the money to keep them here. We've got the money to house them, to aid and abet these felons, but we don't have the money to keep people out. That's crap. So it's not about money. They find money to fund whatever it is they want to fund, like the National Endowment of the Arts. Are you kidding me? This is this is just... and and. They pitch that um, somehow they've got to do this for re-election. People don't care about re-election right now. You want to you want to ensure your re-election. It's to fulfill your promises of the past. Do you think that Ryan is about to lose his job? Some people are speculating that Ryan's going to go. I wish, but I doubt it. I've been wanting Mitch McConnell to lose his job for for many many years, and it never happens. These guys are just very content to go out there and do this, and they keep telling themselves, well. We're, we're protecting ourselves by not making any moves. But what you're ultimately doing is convincing everybody that, listen, what, what difference does it make? Because let's be honest, if we'd looked back a year ago and looked at this budget, we'd have thought Hillary became president and Nancy Pelosi was, was, was the speaker. So what difference does it make if Republicans control the House if they refuse to do anything? That's the, they got to understand that, hey, you want to hold on to power, you've got to at least have the gut. And remember when they said Ted Cruz was destroying them? Oh, my gosh, we had to shut down. Ted Cruz is to blame. It's going to kill the Republican Party. And then the Republican Party actually had a tremendous, 
tremendous election season. Exactly. And that was even after Obama did everything he could to inflict pain on the American people by keeping out those yeah. those, you know, World War Two vets. Uh, Jeff Duncan, a South Carolina re- Republican, said when Republicans hide from the shadow of government shutdown and fail to stand firm when we have the House, Senate and the White House to defund the murder and dismemberment of babies in the womb. Uh, fund border security and defund cities, uh, which are in direct violation of federal immigration laws. Well, we get crap like this latest CR government funding deal. David Harwitz said, it is everything we would have gotten had Democrats been in charge. You know, the Democrats got the Republicans to jettison all of Trump's priorities. There's zero excuse for this. And I'm glad to see that Trump tweeted today because these are his agendas his agenda items, these are his promises that are not being fa- being fulfilled. He is going to have to, he will, he's getting a pass today, but he will be held responsible if this goes forward. Because you know what? Obama got what he wanted, and he was the executive. He pushed through everything that he wanted. Um, so we'll see what Trump does. I think he should have, He, you know, some people, even conservatives are saying we shouldn't have gone with the shutdown now. I think they should have gone with the shutdown now. He's got the hand at his back, the wind at his back, support. This is when he's got the goodwill. This is when he's got the capital. And I think that kicking it down the road to September under the promise that it's going to happen then, I think that's kind of, I think it's weak strategy and I'm concerned it might backfire for on, on Trump. Isn't it funny, too, how it works? When, when Obama was in office and Republicans were in the House and there were threats, there were shutdowns, like, well, we can't do this, Republicans will be blamed. Now the Democrats are the ones who are talking about shutting everything down pretty openly, just actually like they were before, and it's like, well, we'll still get blamed. Well, at some point, you've got to come out and be willing to make a case that you're right and the Democrats are shutting it down because... You know, I'm sorry. Hey, you guys won. You've mm-hmm. got to set an agenda. If you're not going to do it, if you're going to live your whole life in fear of a shutdown, you will never get one thing done. Well, I also am not sure what's going to happen going forward with this with this dog of a bill because Lindsey Graham says he ain't voting for it. And I don't know that Trump is going to actually sign it in, in, into law. You know, some people were concerned with me that I actually voc- voc- vocalized some discussion pleasure with Trump on this and I'm starting to push back against him a little bit on but I think everybody should because I think he's somebody who actually does care what the voters think I think if he sees an uprising on Twitter and social media and people saying no no we're not going to you know keep crossing our fingers and saying Trump is a genius he's got a plan it'll happen it'll happen it'll happen I think that he there's there's a chance that this this budget CR as it is right now isn't going to go forward got to shift gears talking to John Hawkins right wing news because I love that um, you came out with this book I think it's your first book, isn't it? It is. It's my first one. Oh, my gosh. I just love writers so much because, to me, writing is just the most horrific experience in the world, I guess, because I have no talent at it. And I just admire writers so much. You guys are like artists who can draw. It's like, you know, it's outside my realm of comprehension. But I love the um, hashtag 101 things young adults should know. Here, When we are at a time when young adults, young in college and beyond are needing crayons and stuffed animals in safe places because, you know, they just can't handle what's happening in the world, John. And we're seeing right. And seriously, we're seeing writing. We're seeing violence from these people because they can't tolerate an opposing view in the name of tolerance. We've got 20 right now. We've got Obamacare. We're trying to deal with repeal and replace. We've got 26 year olds being treated like children on their parents' insurance policies. I mean, when mama, when mama was 26, she had three, you know, three little kids. My dad was in Vietnam, okay? She, w- she, she was holding down the home front. I mean, how did we get here? And does your book talk about that? Absolutely. And I do. I think about it. The greatest generation, when they're 18 years old, they're out there fighting in Japan. They're fighting in Europe. 
today we've got kids who feel threatened and afraid because someone they disagree with is on campus speaking at an event they don't have to go to. And how did we get here? Well, we've got liberals who control the college systems, Mm -hmm. and they're telling these kids, you're fragile. You're fra- you can't take it. You can't take it. You're a victim. Oh, my gosh. You, you're, you're just being society smashing you down. And my gosh, if you hear one thing you disagree with, you're going to be triggered and you're going to fall apart. And they're hearing all this. And it's just like it's sinking in because they don't know any better. But all they're being done, all it's being done is they're being set up yeah. for failure. Yeah, because that's not the real world. It's not, you come out and you try it in the real world and nobody wants to hear your crap. They fire you. I fire people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I have too. Days. I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. You know, it's pampering, whether you're whether you're giving in to a three-year-old at the checkout at the grocery store who's, who's stomping their feet for a candy bar, or whether you're giving in to a temper tantrum with a kid holding his hands over his ears at, t- at the age of 22 because they can't listen to somebody else's opposing viewpoint. They will be failures because the world, at least right now, the world doesn't accommodate. Now, they're trying to take that into the workplace. They're trying to take it into the sports arena, you know, where clapping or whatever, you know, is, you know, um, triggering people. I mean, they're trying to carry this over from academia into the workplace, but they're not going to be successful because, you know, they're successful right now in mandating what people pay somebody by the hour or whatever, but I don't think they can mandate, you know, that that a, a worker you know, accommodate some of the, you know, um, childish sensibilities that are happening out there. What are, what are a couple pieces of your nuggets of wisdom? Let me give you one that uh, really made a difference for me. When I was 18 years old, I go to college, and my parents said, first semester, we're going to give you an allowance because we don't want you working. We want you focused on your schoolwork. So I'm like, fine. I get in the mail a credit card, pre-approved. And I'm thinking, wow, what a bunch of idiots these guys are. Because here I am, 18 <laughs> years old, with no job, and they're giving me a credit card. So naturally, I made some really smart purchases, like pizza and party supplies. <laughs> and I spent, by the time I realized it, I spent 400 bucks, which oh. I couldn't pay back. Yeah. I ended up r- racking up uh, over 1000 bucks, And if you're talking about penalties and interest, were most of it. Yeah. And so it took me like three years to pay it all back. I cut the card off, didn't use it for 20 years. But every time I tell that story, either the host or the people the host knows have done the exact same oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I did it. I mean, I, ha- I had an obsession with business suits, believe it or not, when I was in college. And I spent a whole lot of money at uh, Maison Blanche, which was one of our department stores in Baton Rouge. And Mama was like, you got saw the pill. Because I went to Mama and she's like, you got to be kidding me. You're a college student. And you work as a waitress at night. What the stink you doing buying navy blue business suits? You're an idiot. And I was like, well, you know, and then she, she said then that she also wanted to put a bumper sticker on my car that said, what do you mean I'm broke? I have more checks. I mean, I was like ridiculous. But you know what? I learned my lesson because I had to pay off every dang dime of that credit card. Mama wasn't bailing me out yeah. on that one. And that's good for you to have to go out and pay that back because you learned, which is something else in the book, if you can't afford it, you don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it is in life once you get older and you've got to pay your own bills. Mm-hmm. You start to realize, hey, if I, I feel like I deserve this because of right. whatever reason. Well, if you deserve it if you have the money to pay for it. That's right. what you deserve. And you better make sure that anything you need, you got the money to pay for. Well, one and one, I don't know if this is in one of your nuggets of wisdom, but one of mine is nobody owes you anything. I owe you nothing in life. I, 
America owes you nothing. It's kind of like what JFK always said. Ask not what your country can do, but what you can do for the country. Nobody owes you anything. Customers don't owe you anything. Your parents don't owe you anything. Nobody owes you anything. And if you operate in life from that standpoint, it's a, it's the ultimate sense of personal responsibility. With individual freedom comes individual responsibility and the sense of entitlement with our young people today. And it's coming from the indoctrination from the liberals in the education system and in the media. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I am 100% on board with you, and I find that's an attitude all successful people have that I've met anyway. And I have chapters on there. You're not a victim. You are responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. You do not want to sit around waiting for someone else to come fix your problems because, one, they may never show up at all. Two, if they do, you're probably not going to like what they're doing. Yeah. You want to go out and take care of yourself. And, and I'll tell you, just the kids who are not like that, who don't have that victim, I'm going to wait mentality, mm-hmm. you're great. I remember I was at this wedding dinner, and I was sitting there with a kid, and we didn't know who was paying at first. I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll cover your meal because he didn't have any money. He's like, no, 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 no. I couldn't do that. I'd rather just not eat. Wow, yeah. And you think about that kid, you know what? That kid's mm-hmm. going to be okay. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. And, you know, I I flash back to myself here. When I first came to California, I had a bonus from a corporate sales job and I didn't get a job as quickly as I wanted. You know what? It's expensive to live in San Diego. And I ran out of money before my I did get a job, but I ran out of money before that job was starting because there's like HR you got to go through. It takes a little while. I had five dollars to eat on for a week before my new job started. I went and bought myself a sack of potatoes because I thought, you know what? I'll eat hash brown for breakfast. French fries for lunch and baked potato for dinner, right? You know, and when my family found out about it later, her sister was like, why did you not call me and ask me from, I would have sent you money. I'm like, it didn't even occur to me. And I'm glad that that was my mindset because that's how you kind of have to be in life. And that's what I'm kind of hoping that books like yours and other books like it will kind of go towards kind of resetting our culture a little bit from a mindset of fragile little snowflakes who think the world owes them everything to kind of what America was founded on, which is this country owes you nothing but opportunity. You're not a victim. Everybody has the same opportunity. We're not going to guarantee you results. You got to work hard, be ambitious. You got to do something to develop, to make yourself marketable. You know, I didn't have it. I, I didn't have any talent, John. I couldn't go and do hair. I'm not an artist. I, I, the only thing I could do, so I went to college and got a degree so I could I could go into business. You know, I had to do something to make sure I could get a job. We also need to, I don't know if you talk about this in your book, but why we got kids coming out of college with $250,000 in college, you know, loans with crap degrees they can't get a job in. Well, and we do discuss that. And that's the thing. You have all these people going way, way into debt at some private school to get a women's studies degree or a philosophy yeah. degree. And it's just ridiculous. Look, if you want to spend money on school, that's absolutely fine. But get a degree you can make it back in. Right. But it, that, that's part of that entitlement mentality. It's, mm-hmm. well, I should be able to spend the money and whatever I want to do, whatever seems fun to me, and I should be able to make a job that will pay mm-hmm. it all back. Yeah. And it's just the world does not work that way. The world right. does not care about your preferences. It's going to do what it wants to do. And you've got to adapt to the world because the world is not going to adapt to you. That's right. Well, we're going to leave it on that word, that little nugget of wisdom right there. How can people get your book, John? I would say go to Amazon, search for John Hawkins, and you will see 101 things all young adults should know. Pick that book up, get one for your kid. Heck, get one for your kid's friends. Awesome. I appreciate you being here, John. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I always love talking to you. All right, thank you. Have a good day, hon. Stay frosty. 
All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're, I've got a topic that I threw it out there on Facebook yesterday. If y'all were interested in this, it's something that I find fascinating. You know, right now we're all, everybody's complaining about the budget bill or continuing resu- resolution and how's there going to be money to pay for the wall? Well, you know what? Maybe we can cut some spending. And my next guest has a great idea for how we can cut out entitlement programs completely. His name is Peter Cove. I love this idea. We're going to talk to him when we get back. So don't go anywhere. We got more Andrea K. Show coming right back up. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Hello, welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I had to finish my little comment on Facebook there before I could bring y'all back from the break. Thanks again to John Hawkins for being here. What a great guest. I can't wait to get his book. Speaking of books, one of my buddies from Facebook sent me a book that he wrote. I got to show you guys. His, uh, the author is Jonathan Patrick. The book is Checkmate. I cannot wait to read this. I would love um, to actually spend the afternoon at the beach reading this. I might actually have to play a little hooky this afternoon and get there. Super excited this. Thank you so much, uh, Patrick, for sending me this book. Um, it's an international, a thought-provoking international terrorism thriller and a great read. And now that my man, Vince Flynn, is gone... God rest his soul, rest in peace. I've now got some new reading material. Super excited. Thank you, Jonathan Patrick, uh, for sending me this book. I'm also excited to have my next guest with me here because, you know, everybody's upset over the budget bill, the continuing resolution, and how are we going to find money, you know, to build the wall and for border security? Well, how about we cut back on some of the money that we're spending in entitlement and welfare programs that aren't working? You know, nobody wants to touch that because it's just, you know, it's a political hot potato. My next guest is Peter Cove. He's actually somebody who has experience in doing just this. Um, in fact, he's written a book about it. He's a book author as well. And his book is called Poor No More. And it addresses the fact that we have spent, as a nation, beginning in the 1960s, America's war on poverty, they've spent, what, $19 trillion? We got $20 trillion in debt, and we spent $19 trillion. So practically our entire debt has been fighting a war on poverty, which has not reduced... The rate of, of poverty, it's it went from, I guess, 17% in 65 to 14.5% in 2014. Um, Peter Cove, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Thanks for having me, Andrea. By the way, it's $22 trillion now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that is, that's our entire debt. Everybody's, like, hysterical. We got $20 trillion in debt, and we have spent that much in the war on poverty, and it's a huge failure. Well, 50 years later... We've got no results for $22 trillion, and they want to continue doing this. You say that um, you propose, quote, that we eliminate all welfare programs except those geared towards people who truly cannot work due to physical or mental problems. Um, Second, you want to scuttle all poverty programs, including Head Start to food stamps, and that we should wipe the slate clean, take all the money saved, and create jobs, first in the private sector and then as a last resort, uh, in the public one, so we would solve pro- poverty and work. How are you going to do this? 
Well, first of all, your listeners should understand this is not an ivory tower academic uh, writing a book. I've been involved with poverty programs on the ground uh, since 1965. That's uh, well over 50 years. And my experience of watching these programs not work and being part of them uh, got me to write the book because I looked at it and said, uh, I helped run them. I helped design them. I helped evaluate them. And my goodness, we spent all this money and not much happened. So that led me to the solution that you mentioned a minute ago. And I think it makes an awful lot of sense. But I, because what our government has been doing uh, uh, is to create incentives not to work, mm-hmm. to have disincentives to go to work. And so we have had an increasing uh, a growth of dependency in this country, mm-hmm. uh, which is costing us a fortune. And wouldn't everybody rather see people working than not? You know, uh, when President Obama was in, in office, he sent people into New York City and told us we could not place people on food stamps into jobs. We had already been doing that, and it was very successful. Yeah, that was a part of, excuse uh, me was, for interrupting, wasn't that part of Bill Clinton when he said that, you know, welfare needed to be transactional, that you needed absolutely. to earn getting that money? That makes sense. Why in the world? Well, I get why the liberals are doing it. They want a dependency class because it keeps them in power. That's one of the reasons why they want an open border. I was saying before, they want to stop the wall from being built because, you know, the wall protects their power base. Stopping the wall protects their, their power base. You actually are, you're a reformed liberal yourself, Aren't you? What, would, what changed your mind? How did you? How did you become an advocate for private solutions to welfare welfare dependency? It was exper- It was really experience. Uh, I watched the programs that were being run, the programs I was running, uh, and realized most of them were not working. And they came out of a liberal sense of let's help people; they're victims. And yes. when you start with that as a premise, you end up with the wrong programs. And that's the kind of programs we had. What we needed was to get Mm -hmm. people directly into work, what I call work first. And once I started running programs, our company, America Works, which I set up um, in 1984, was the first for-profit welfare-to-work company. We placed almost a million people in jobs. And what we do is place them quickly into the jobs. We don't give Mm -hmm. them a lot of uh, hooey, uh, a lot of sitting in classrooms, a lot of uh, counseling, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other services. Coddling. We get them a job. Yeah. We get them in working and paying uh, paying taxes. Is all of this what you're talking about? You know, the extended training and this and that that they go through all these all these extraneous programs instead of getting them into the jobs quickly. Is that what you refer to with the welfare industrial complex? Exactly, it, and, and it is complex. There are many aspects to it. There are organizations that get funded that want to continue to get funded. There are politicians who want to get funded. Let me give you an anecdote. Uh, about 15 years ago, a woman who runs the uh, RAN, the Human Service Committee at the state level in New York that handled welfare, came to visit my welfare-to-work program, America Works, in New York City. After she saw it, I said, do you like it? She said, I think it's the best welfare-to-work program I've ever seen. I said, are you going to support it? She said, no. And I said, why? She said, well, there's a small little program down from my campaign office, and uh, uh, they run a welfare-to-work program, Peter, that's not as big as yours, and it's not as good as yours. But on election day, they bring out the votes. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's what you were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's what goes on. I mean, it's it's much more than just that. But that's what goes on. And if if my proposal came into existence, it would wipe it wipe that completely off the slate. How are you getting any traction in terms of getting this in front of policymakers? 
besides just the one that you mentioned who told you they weren't interested? Because, see, I'm thinking that it's not just liberals. The Republicans don't want to solve problems. It's like Jeff Sessions said the other day. He said the reason why the Republicans are pushing back on this border wall, too, problems keep them in existence. They love to come out on the campaign trail and say, oh, we got to do, what are we going to do? How are we going to help them poor people? Meanwhile, they don't want to help the poor people because they just, it keeps them in power. Well, there are some that that's not true of. Paul Ryan, for instance, for the last few years, has been going around the country looking at poverty programs, trying to figure out what's a conservative approach to, to, to uh, handling poverty and to solving it. Not let's not fund it, let's not do it, but what, how do we do it right and make it work? And there are others that do that as well, people at the Heritage Foundation, uh, people at the uh, AEI, uh, the American Enterprise Institute. They're looking at what, what are the ways in which we can solve poverty. I think generally... Your, your comment's correct, mm-hmm. but there really is a growing number of people. I gave a speech at AEI a few weeks ago, and I had a I, there was love 25, them there. 30. Yeah, what's that? I said I love them there. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, and, I, and, and there were about 30 people in the room, and they were all people from the right, and these were people who were interested in solving poverty. So it's a small group right now, but mm-hmm. it's there. Well, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. I want people to know how to get your book. I want to bring start bringing this to the conversation because um, I know that any welfare, you know, I even had some conservatives yesterday when I talked about you coming on the show. They're like, well, what about battered women? And what about these people that need support? You know, battered women are able-bodied. You know, once the bruises heal, we, you know, they, they got to be out there working. They're going to have to anyway after they free themselves from the abusers. We cannot be a society to where we have 40 million people not working. And then on top of it, we got open borders and we got refugees being brought here who don't speak the language and that are being, you know, cradle to grave entitlements because they can't support themselves. We've got to do something to stop the bleeding economically. And you know what? It's not fair to Americans. How can people get your book? Uh, They can go on Amazon.com. They can go to their local bookstore and ask to buy it. Uh, They'll get it for you or no more. Uh, And I think people will enjoy it because it's kind of a memoir, but it, it gives some really good policy uh, solutions to poverty in the United States. Well, thank you for being here. I hope to have you soon and we can keep the conversation going. Love to. Thanks. Have a great day. You well. Take All right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to shift gears. We've got a couple of follow-up stories on San Diego to, to talk to y'all about. Um, did y'all know that there's a little movement happening with congressional hearings on the Hillary Clinton email scandal? Did y'all know about that? Don't go anywhere. We got more of the AK show coming up. AK 47. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. 
Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have y'all here with me rolling along on this beautiful Tuesday here in San Diego. Hey, we are coming at you from the AM 1170 studios here in San Diego around the corner, almost really across the street, if you will, from the La Jolla Crossroads apartment complex where there was a mass shooting. Um, was it Sunday, DJ Carrot Sticks? Yes, yes, it was Sunday evening. Yeah, Sunday evening. O'clock. Yeah, and um, as uh, DJ Carrot Sticks has been keeping up with the story actually more than I have, but immediately it, there were questions as to the motives of the shooter, and um, much to the dismay, I guess, of those on the left, because anytime there's a gun and you got one gunman uh, of a particular color and you got people getting shot of a particular co- color, of course they're they're wanting you know it to be a hate crime because then they can you know get get the whole gun thing. Update everybody with what the situation was, if you would. So yeah, and, and you know it is. It we can see it from the studios. If you go across, you can see it from our windows. That's how close it is. Yeah. And actually, this is the second shooting within uh, about two weeks. The first one was uh, actually had to do with a burglary, and the guy was defending his home. Oh, but I it, didn't even know that yeah, about that one. Yeah, okay. but uh, it's just crazy that it's happened so close to the studio. So what happened was at uh, six o'clock on Sunday evening, a man, uh, almost a fifty-year-old man, who was distraught over. Um, breaking up with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. There's reports out that he's $200,000 in debt. He was an auto mechanic. He was sitting out by the pool there at the crossroads complex. And there was a pool party going on. And at one point, one of the people from the pool parties asked him to join the pool party. Yeah. And that's actually the first man he shot. Um, He shot him twice in each leg and he ended up shooting eight people. uh, One woman, a died of her of her wounds yeah i saw the her picture this morning i mean not that it would be less tragic if she wasn't so beautiful but this woman oh my gosh she was be- just her she was not just physically beautiful but her spirit that that was just coming oozing from the picture so tragic single mom of three kids um friend of nick cannon i yeah, guess I coincidentally that, yeah. um they they grew up together just a really tragic story and, you know, the interviews with the with the primary guy that's been doing interviews, the young black man that's really cute. And he's got like, I think he's got the earrings in his ears. I've anyway, yeah, he was, I can't remember his name. He's got an unusual name. He was asked about, because the, the media keeps trying to make plays the race card. And he was like, look, he's like, I don't care why this man shot up my friends. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, you know, what does it matter? You know, if you're, if you're that messed up, you're going to shoot somebody. Does it really matter? why you're that must up it was like stupid he was like get out get away from me with that so it, it is sad how quick people are trying to try to find reasons for the shooting right and and, it, and most of the times it does go to race if, if if the person that is shot isn't the same race as the shooter mm-hmm. race is automatically brought up as right. as one of the reasons why the shooting happened right. but this was a it was 30 to 40 people at at this pool party right and i think it's amazing that not more people were 
right. were killed. I, I mean, it's- I think, uh, yeah, and I don't know the particulars, but I guess the word that I'm hearing from that is that the the, the attendees at the pool were kind of cool and kind of like, you know, they, they handled themselves in the right way that, that protected them. Uh, one of the pastors who has a show here on Sundays, uh-huh. uh, Cultivating Ethos, uh, Pastor Furrow, at his first Baptist church here in University City, uh, tomorrow, uh, May 3rd, they're having a praise, prayer service for everybody okay. in University City. Oh, good. Good to know. Kind of getting the community together after that tragedy. Thank you. Got to move on to another follow-up story. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before where this made national news as well, um, that the San Diego Unified School District um, was implementing in their curriculum an anti-Islamophobia curriculum um, that CARE, the front group for Hamas, had come up with supposedly to counter bullying. Not the real story. Now come to find out, somebody emailed me about this and said that the tr- the truth behind the motivations of the that the Islamophobia curriculum was a front that the the goal is to have the San Diego Unified School District be the first in the nation to become wait for it sharia law compliant see i've been saying for a long time we got two forms of jihad happening in this country we've got jihad through the sword and jihad through sharia and this is how it starts Um, that the San Diego Unified School District will be Sharia law compliant in the fall of 2017. They did this under the guise of the anti-bullying program. There is, and this does, this person who emailed me said that this does affect all all of us. It does. I mean, people listening to this might say, well, what do I care? I don't have a kid in the San Diego Unified School District. Because this is death by a thousand cuts to America. This is how it starts. We already see the outcropping of the indoctrination of kids from these schools and from the media. Now it's an indoctrination of America into accepting Sharia. We've got the New York Times recently saying that you can't use the words female genital mutilation, which is exactly what it is, because, you know, it's it's cultural misappropriation. We've got to refer to it as genital cutting. They're trying to sanitize it to try to get Sharia over on us. The reason why is, from in terms of liberal politicians, is because it's a natural partner for them with their Marxism, because Sharia is compatible with Marxism, a centralized government of power. That's what this is about. Um, but many locals, business owners, teachers, district employees are pushing back. Some are even calling for a recall of the entire board and superintendent. There was a meeting tonight um, from 6.30 to 8.30 in room 206 on the Horizon Campus in Claremont Mesa. I'm going to put this on my Facebook wall. I encourage everybody locally to go there. We need to show in mass that we are not going to support America and our schools becoming Sharia compliant. Uh, Mary Baker, the founder for Citizens for Quality Education, is coordinating with this. I'm going to put her information up there on Facebook. Her Facebook group is Citizens for Quality Education. Um, They're planning for another. They want this on the agenda for the next uh, Unified School District board meeting, which is most likely May 16th. So I'm encouraging everybody with an earshot to go to this meeting tonight, 630 to 830 at Horizon. Um, Speaking of another tragedy, I don't know if you heard DJ Carrot Sticks, but up the road... Um, surf spot known as Church by San Onofre, um, we had a great white shark attack. Yeah. You know, years ago, uh, a man was killed by a great white in that same spot. Yeah. 
Um, so what I found, you know, first of all, I was horrified because I have a fear of, of water. In fact, I was sitting in La Jolla last night, watching a sunset, watching the surfers thinking, how can they bob around like that? Like sitting ducks. I'm a scuba diver, but when you're below the surface, you can kind of see what's happening and, you know, make a move, you know, to get away from something or, or, or self-defense. But I was thinking last night about this. She, uh, the victim is in a medically in, induced uh, coma. Hopefully, prayers for her. Hopefully, she's going to recover. But what I found interesting was they got, it's, they've got a sign up saying this part of the beach is closed. And then like 10 feet over, they got surfers in the water. I'm like, what? How's that? That's like, have, that's like having two tables next to each other in a restaurant and one saying non-smoking. Yeah, the shark's not reading that sign. <laughs> the shark ain't reading the sign. And by the way, that shark could be long gone. We're talking about a great white. I mean, that's it. so anyway, um, I stay out of the water myself. You know, originally years ago when that great white uh, shark ha- attack happened by San Onofre, I thought it had to do something with the power plant and the water being warmer in that area. Could but that, be. But that power plant's turned off now. Oh, that's true. So, but it's, it's Although sad. great whites are known for wanting to be cold water predators. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that holds mm. their DJ carrot sticks. Um, little update for you on the um, Clinton email scandal. Uh, many of you were upset the other day recently that WikiLeaks, you know, they're going to try to apprehend him for, you know, hacks in terms of uh, getting into our systems and exposing secrets. But Hillary Clinton continues to walk. Yeah, you know, I'm still I'm still hoping that we are going to see some elected officials. If you're talking about draining the swamp, I want to see some people held accountable who will likely or be held accountable for uh, not the crime itself, but the cover-up, is these people called Platte River Network. You know, these were the people that set up the illegal server for Hillary Clinton. And they are the private internet company that she hired. They have been obstructing the investigation for more than a year. Representative Lamar Smith, um, who's the chairman of, you know, House Science, Space, and Technology Committee, he's asked the DOJ to prosecute them for obstructing a congressional investigation into the company's role in providing the Uh, security for the Clinton server. You know, uh, two other companies responded to subpoena requests. These guys didn't. And well, it could be because they don't want to be fostered. Vince fostered. You know, I mean, you got Hillary Clinton, trail of dead bodies behind her. They may be like, you know what? We don't want to cooperate in the investigation. Well, you know what? They are about to be prosecuted for not uh, um, following a subpoena request. But here's what aggravates me. Um, They... um, are being prosecuted for violating federal laws pertaining to failing to produce subpoenaed documents, making false statements to Congress regardless, uh, regarding possession of documents and obstructing Congress. Well, isn't that what Hillary Clinton did? She destroyed 30,000 emails after they were requested under subpoena. She lied to Congress. She obstructed justice. We, I think we need to continue to scream. You know, yeah, everybody, we're upset about the budget bill. We're upset about the wall and this and this and this. I think we got to keep our eye on this. Our eye on this ball with here. I'm, cur- I'm I'm hoping that maybe these people will start to squeal and maybe they'll strike a deal with the government and take her down. That's kind of what I'm hoping is going to happen. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Maybe Al Arias will be in the studio because you know what? It's small business week. There's some economic stuff we got to cover. I also got my awards this week. I've got a new award to hand out called the Stink of the Week, babies. Don't go anywhere. More Andrea K. Show coming right back up. 
Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have y'all here with me. It's time to talk a little business. Who remembers Billy Clyde Tuggle back from, was it all my children or one life to live days? He was a crazy character. He always, he always said the word business, business. We got to talk a little business. Um, so Trump, it is, I don't know if y'all know this, uh, but... Um, it is hashtag small business week. And in the course of that, Trump has made some interesting moves on the heels of his tax plan, which I thought was incredible. By the way, one of the things that I liked about it was not just reduction of the corporate tax rate, not just re- uh, means to repatriate money back into America, not just the repeal of the estate tax, but there is not going to be a border tax. That was very controversial. I'm loving that. Now he's also met with community bankers to ease regulations that are going to help small business. Here to talk about that is Al Arias, the silky smooth Al. Yes, Andrea, this is Al Arias. I'm going to be going to the village of La Jolla later for small business and getting uh, some bath bombs. Um, A couple dozen bath bombs. (laughs) Al couldn't be here today. Al, if you're listening. That's DJ Carrot Sticks has just been dying to impersonate you. I'm sorry, the Al. The cool, always cool and collective Al Arias. Always cool. Reminds me of the radio station, The Wave, that used to happen in Southern California. Um, but you know what? Al should be here because this is what Al has been yammering about for like two years on the show. He's been saying, great, do what you can do with lowering the corporate tax rate. He, Al would dig the fact that they've they've gone from seven tax brackets down to three for individuals. Al would love the repatriation of money. But he's also he's been talking about uh, easing up on regulations. But most importantly, Al's been saying, I want the regulations that have been constricting small banks from issuing loans. I want money freed up to small business. And that is what's what's happening. On top of it, Trump is talking about a 21st century Glass-Steagall, which is, I guess, going back to breaking up these big banks. Dodd-Frank was supposed to be about things being, you know, too big to fail. And, I'll, it, and it didn't do any of that. In fact, what it ended up doing was hurting the, the small business by hurting the smaller and, and community banks. So this is a great move for small business. You know, I, am I frustrated with what happened with the budget bill and, and continuing resolutions? Absolutely. But that does not mean that I don't see that there, Trump is making some really great moves. He's doing all he can. He faces two opposition parties. At the top of the show, I talked about the one-party system. Those tyrants in D.C., including the GOP establishment and the Democrats, they're the ones that have a, and something in common. And it ain't in common with Trump. They got in common with each other. They want to stop that wall from being built because... Because that will protect the wall around their power. And that's what that's about. But I do love what what Trump has done. Hey, did you, in fact, did you guys even know that now that climate change has been taken off the EPA website? Did you know that? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. You know, we got Keystone Pipeline coming. I love what he did with drilling. He's opened up drilling. Oh my gosh, we got to protect the environment from drilling. Really? Then why are we allowing Brazil? I could go down down to what we call the end of the world down in South Louisiana, down by way of cutoff, and I could see rigs 
from Brazil offshore. So why is it that America, why can't we, we be drilling out there? So I'm loving what he did there. I'm loving all the other regulations that he's eased up on. So I'm optimistic. But we do need to be holding people's feet to the fire. We need to be raising our voices and saying, come on, Trump, push back against this. When he says that this job was was harder than he imagined, absolutely. But he's really the only man. One of the things I want to say is that my show has always been from the beginning about that I don't advocate for party or Paul. I advocate for ideas. I advocate for conservatism. I'm an equal opportunity criticizer. When I see something that doesn't jive right with me, I'm going to speak out about it. It doesn't mean that I don't support or still support Trump if I speak out and say, you know what, I feel like, you know, maybe he missed the mark here with this or should have done a little bit different way. I wasn't exactly pleased with some of the stuff initially with the Obamacare replacement. Um, we've got to use our voices. Why wouldn't we use our voices? Why wouldn't we speak up and say, hey, this ain't what we voted for? We've got to, we're not going to get everything that we wanted from Trump, but his signature things are critical and they 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 are not, should be non-negotiable. I don't care if we got to shut down the government. You pick and choose what you're going to keep. Why And why is it that if there's a shutdown, we always allow the left to inflict harm through the shutdown. We don't have to do that. He could fund what has to be funded. Mama, my mother worked for the federal government for many, many years. She was furloughed many times. And you know what? Mama never, she, I don't know how many shutdowns she lived through in the course of working for the federal government. Do you know she never missed a day's pay? Never missed a day pay. She worked at Interior. She worked at Labor. I think she worked at every agency, but she might have even worked at State, too. Don't buy into that crap from the shutdown. From the shutdown. Um, I think I've got time for my awards. Now I'm going to get to my awards. Um, I usually struggle with finding my hero of the week, thanks to one of my Facebook friends, and I can't remember who sent this to me. Um, but my heroes of the week this this week are, and I, here I am in media and I didn't know about this. Are you familiar, DJ Carrot Sticks, with a, a third battalion called the U.S. Dark Horse? No. You, yes. Um, the U.S. Dark Horse, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, uh, they are fighting in Afghanistan. We have lost nine Marines in four days. Didn't even know this. Nobody's talking about it. When, when Bush was in office, we had, the, we had the daily casualty count every day on every mainstream media outlet. Once Obama took office, we didn't hear about it anymore. We've lost nine Marines in four days. God bless these heroes, these patriots, their families who are suffering. Rest in peace, Justin Allen, 23. Brett Lindley, 29. Matthew, I'm going to cry. Matthew Weikert, 29. Justice Bartett, Bartett, 27. Dave Santos, 21. Jesse Reed, 26. Matthew Johnson, 21. Zachary Fisher, 24. Brandon King, 23. Christopher Goka, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, 23, and Sheldon Tate, 27. They are Marines who gave their lives for us this week. No media is talking about them. Nobody's even mentioning their names. Um, God bless them. God bless um, their families. I don't, and I'm sitting here with no tissue. So I got to move on now. Well, I got a couple minutes left and get it to something, try to end on a little bit more positive note. And that is my stink of the week. <laughs> DJ Carrot Sticks runs to get me a tissue. Um, you know, there's been so much flack that Trump gets all the time um, for his tweeting. And it got me thinking about all the ridiculous crap that's out there on social media from not just politicians, but celebrities, just even average people. It's like what they're busting Trump for because he's speaking his mind and pushing back against people on Twitter and, and, and Facebook. And so I, I, I have this idea for a stink of the week. In terms of the stinkiest that's happening out there, and there's a lot of stink out there. So hat tip to my buddy, um, C.V. Burton. Thank you, sweetie. Give me a tissue. C.V. Burton, who, on cue, (laughs) uh, came up with the stink of the week 
for me. And it's from none other than Republican Governor John Kasich, who tweeted out um, on April 30th, saddened, the president continues to divide America with his rhetoric and policies. There is a better path and hope he finds it soon. Hashtag two paths. Yeah, we are at two paths, John Kasich. We were at two paths on November 8th. And the American people did not like the path that we were going on, the one-party system, the, the, and the path that you and the rest of the GOP establishment are trying to take us on. And it's the same path with the Democrats. It's the path to tyranny. President Trump said on Inauguration Day, today is the day that we give the government back to the people. And you and the rest of your hacks in, in, in elected officials, you're no better than these elected officials in sanctuary cities that are harboring, aiding, and abetting felons. That's the path that you want us to go down. You don't want to go down the path of making America great again. You don't want to go down the path of of true reform that's going to increase jobs and provide economic prosperity. You don't want to go down that path. You're just nothing more than a big government, elitist, pompous, arrogant, anti-American wolf in sheep's clothing who pretends to care about people when all you care about is your own power and your own ego. And that's what this is about. Couldn't be stinkier. You're, You're... there's, there's, there's nobody out of Hollywood right now who could come up with anything stinkier than that. Um, anything that you want to share in terms of stinkiness? Stinkiness? Have you seen? Well, good old Dean but- Spanos in the NFL. He's constantly, you know, my this week's fool for ever. <laughs> he's your forever fool. I got to say, I was up in LA last week, and yeah. oh my gosh, they're getting so excited for the LA Chargers. They sold out their thirty thousand seat yeah. stadium. <laughs> well, this and, and, the, and the NFL is helping them out a lot. Because everything you look at now that has anything to do with the NFL, you'll see the Chargers logo in there. Right. And for 56 years, we never had a game on Thanksgiving. Guess who's playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving? Right. Well, guess who's losing subscribers to the tune of $10,000 a day, losing viewership like crazy, um, and and it's ESPN, and one of their one of their people came out and said, you know what, it could be that y'all gone too far left with your policies. Gee, you think? You know, everybody's upset right now. We know that Bill Shine has left Fox. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Hannity. There's a concerted movement on the left to take down Fox. But you know that's been happening in other networks for a while, especially ESPN. They took down... Um, Mike Dicka, Sage Steele was taken down over there. They've been cleaning house of anybody with a conservative voice for a while. And now you know what it looks like ESPN might be losing their house and their money. Thank you all for being here, being in my house today. Thanks to my amazing guests, John Hawkins, Peter Cove, Al Arias in absentia through DJ Carrot Sticks. Love you all. I'm right here every Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time on AM 1170. The answer. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Love you all. Bye, everybody.